The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. On SAFM. South Africa hosts African Polio Eradication Certification Commission Summit. This is taking place or took place between 16 and 18 November 2022 here in Johannesburg at the Owartambo. Polio has been one of the most feared diseases for much of human history. Polio virus is highly infectious with mainly, or rather that mainly affects children under the age of five years. It invades the nervous system to cause total paralysis within a few hours. The last confirmed case of wild-type poliovirus in South Africa was in 1989, and the country declared polio-free only in 2007. Very recent development. But there have been a couple of cases popping up throughout the continent. Although it is not prevalent in South Africa, the risk of polio importation remains high due to continued transmission in other countries, the high degree of movement and migration of people in the country. Conversation with us now, representative from the Department of Health, comes this comes after rather the Department of Health, in collaboration with the World Health Organization's local office, hosted the Africa Regional Certification Commission for Polio Eradication Africa Summit to track the progress made in the eradication of the disease as part of efforts to strengthen ultimately the eradication of this thing, particularly among children. Mr. Morewana, Acting Deputy Director General for Health Programs in the National Department of Health, is on the line. Mtlegazi, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, good evening, sir, and uh, good evening to the listeners, and thanks very much for having me. An important conversation, a conversation which, because none of us are affected, or let me not say none of us, but the majority of us are not affected, it's not something that we think too much about, more particularly because at the time in which we were engaging our health in relation to ensuring we don't have polio, we were far too young to appreciate it. But it doesn't mean at all that we are not dealing with polio. It doesn't mean it doesn't remain a risk, more especially in the advent of this modern world where there's a high movement of persons. No, no, that's correct. Dr. Rampelane, let's now engage. What is South Africa's position? What is South Africa's statistical outlook on this? Where are South Africa's weak points? And following the summit, where are we in relation to engaging those weak points? Yeah, no, let, let me perhaps, uh, as you rightfully say, that uh, maybe because polio is not one of the commonest uh, topics that get discussed in society. And firstly, just to say, what is this uh, African Regional Certification Commission? Yes, yes. It, yeah, it, it's a commission uh, which is a, a fairly independent commission, but it works together with the World Health Organization Regional Office of Africa. Its job is to make assessments of various countries, look at the risk level and look at the incidence of polio and where for a, a sustained period of time there's no, in case of polio, they then issue certification. That's why it is called certification, called certification commission. Then, it then, after issuing certification, it then has to go on again, now and again checking, you know, whether countries are not regressing. Mm, 
Ndate Rampelani, sorry, I lost you there for a moment at the point at which you said to ensure that countries are not regressing. That's the value of the certification. I don't know if whether or not your line is correct. I'm asking the production team to get through to it. But for those who've just joined us, I repeat, Mr. Rampelani Moriwana, Acting Director General for the Department Hello. in the National Department of Health, specifically for health programs, is on the line to discuss the recently concluded Africa Regional Certification Commission for polio eradication in Africa. Ndate Moriwana had just mentioned the fact that the certification's value is to ensure that following the last instance of the certification, there have been no, there has been rather no regression in that particular country's outlook. So you want to carry on from them, Clegas? Yeah, yeah. I was, I was saying that uh, we should not then have any incidents coming up. But in order for us to avoid the resurgence of any cases of polio, we, we then, then invite the committee's kind of a tougher assessment and ultimately a decision that we then withdraw that certificate because that certificate is not permanently awarded. It's awarded once, but then if you've got it now and again, there's got to be assessed to make sure that you you sustain your polio-free status. And South Africa has been having that certification now. The reason why this happened in South Africa it's purely because they picked up that around this South Africa, in Zimbabwe and Mozambique, there were cases of polio. So because of the proximity of these two countries to South Africa, they then saw the need to have this meeting around here to say, because you've got a certificate already, what is the level of risk? So that is why the meeting was held in our country. How long is the certificate valid for in relation to what you have mentioned? It's not a once-and-for-all type um, institution. In, in, in fact, because this committee meets twice a year, but I mean, every time when they assess, firstly, they, they do this. As they assess, mm. they look at the level of risk, and the risk will be determined by how strong your surveillance system is in, in terms of how so agile are you in terms of detect, possibility of detection of any outbreaks. Then once you look at a situation where the country is more at risk because the surveillance system is very weak, mm-hmm. agility is very low, and, and therefore they made them make a determination that this country is at risk. They then give you a warning shot, kind of, to say, you're already at a point where there's a greater risk of you seeing cases for you, you do it to emerge because this and this and this and this kind of actions have been taken. At that stage, you yourself as a country, you would know that you are now at risk. But once you've got a case, Mm. Because of the high, of the, 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 the extent of the danger of the polio, you then would forfeit your certification because you've got a case in your country. So it must be, it's not like you then have to wait until you've got 10 cases before they withdraw. Because mm. it's about, mm. a, it's called a polio free certification. Mm. Not a polio low certification. Mm. No, no, it's not a polio medium. <laughs> It's not polio, mediums, not polio, it's polio free. That is why it was a slogan, yeah, I think 2016, 2017, kick polio out of South Africa. What is polio? What, I mean, I think I know what it is, and I think because I've never had to worry about it, but what is polio? 
Are there any symptoms that one should be on the lookout for? The responsibility for parents on their children in particular? And I'm asking this because, I mean, at some point we're going to have to talk about vaccination. And I know vaccination in South Africa um, is, is, is quite a hot topic, obviously following from COVID. And it just made us engage the question of vaccination anew. So talk to us about polio before we move on from the impact of that definition. Uh, I, I, yeah, you see, you see polio, I mean, it, it's an illness that affects, uh, as you rightly said in your intro, most people at risk are younger children. So it affects the, the muscle development, it affects the bones, and, uh, you know, the, the, the muscles, for an example, what we call uh, acute flash, flash paralysis, you know, where in, for an example, we realize the dropping of the muscles, you know, the face of children, it affects their growth development as well. So that is why we would want to encourage mothers, and I guess I mean, we can say fathers also, that they present their children for polio immunization as early as they, they are due to get it, so that we then do not have any risk of any child being exposed to polio. Because once it gets into children, it can lead to life deformity that are lifelong. And therefore, you're going to have a child that gets deformed simply because they missed on the immunization when they were young, when they were very small. So we therefore want to encourage our mothers to go to the clinics. And we know in the country, the clinics, children get the services for free. And polio is one of of the diseases that we call vaccine-preventable diseases, meaning if you get proper vaccine, you will not be affected unless something very strange really happens. But we're certain that uh, it, it's vaccine-preventable, like many other uh, mm. diseases that we prevent through vaccination. When we talk about vaccination and the context of COVID-19 and how many people were dead set against taking any vaccines for whatever the belief system that they harbored or a scientific information that they were aware of or anything of the kind that would, in the final analysis, make them say, I'm not getting vaccinated. Has the impact, therefore, of vaccines in relation to COVID had an impact in terms of how the polio vaccinations have been taken, the rollout, the increase in utilization or decrease? Are there any um, references or points that one can draw parallels in relation to vaccine for COVID and the conversation of now? <laughs> you see, as I say, we, 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 any, um, any foreign body that is introducing the, into, into any foreign thing that is introduced into your body would cause some reaction. Some so people may, when you talk about the COVID, they may say, but uh, people got this or that, you know, they got fever, they got this other condition, mm. they were not well. But generally, scientists tell you, will tell you, anything that they've made investigation on, and they think it's managed better with the, vaccination. People that have got that vaccination, for an example, if you make mention of COVID-19, COVID-19 is said very clearly, the severity gets lessened when you've been vaccinated as compared to someone that has not been vaccinated. So in that regard, we, we you may still get it, but you'll not be put down the same way that it would happen to somebody that has not been vaccinated. So that's the issue. So 
but but uh, because COVID nineteen, the signs there is they I mean, it was obviously people were saying it could have come to a shorter time period, but of course every solution is developed at the rate of the of the harm that that solution has got to prevent or to stop, right? So any pre, any vaccine that is going to be administered, I would call on South Africa to say unless it is any signs to the contrary, people must submit for vaccination. Because vaccination is proven to save life, to delay infection, and to make people live a normal life no, after no. that. No, sir, I get you there. I, I get you there. No, I, I we're not disagreeing there. I'm just asking if whether the programs associated with ensuring South Africa is a polio-free society have in okay. any way been impacted by the vaccination conversation of the last two years because of what people's views on COVID were now for one reason or the other, may or may not have affected the polio vaccination program. Is there something of that kind? If so, to what extent? Oh, you're okay. Now you hear that. We, we, in the country, we haven't been affected by the focus on COVID-19. So as a result, we were not able to draw that parallel. But of course, in areas of uh, Continued surveillance that's where we, we may have perhaps left, like it happened in many other areas of our work, where the focus was purely on COVID-19. But there hasn't been any mm-hmm. threat of resurgence of polio as a result of us being focused on COVID-19. Very well. No, I get that. Thank you for being frank. Let's talk about something which might not necessarily be a health matter, but certainly is something that impacts the Department of Health, specifically on this polio eradication program and okay. polio-free. In relation to the movement of persons, I mean, this is something which is a hot topic. It's a very hot political topic, and I don't wish to draw you into that um, environment simply because it's not your mandate or province. But the reality is Lesotho, Swaziland, Mozambique, Zimbabwe, Botswana, and Namibia, seven countries sharing a border with South Africa, is an inherent uh-huh. challenge. It doesn't make it an inherent problem. It's just an inherent challenge, inherent question that South Africa has to address as part of its ensuring we're a polio-free society. And of course, with the borders being as porous as they are, let's use that word as an assumption even, South Africa's borders are porous. How does this change the strategy in dealing with the threat that that alone poses for the fight in ensuring polio is non-existent in the country? Yeah, I, I would want to, to take it even further to say, even if you were not making an assumption of porous borders, even if you had as tight borders as you would have a rubber dam for an example, you still, because people move across borders for any, any kind of uh, purpose, well, day-to-day money working between Maseru and Lady Brown, day-to-day movement between Nekase and, and Ramatabama, you can name them mm. for trade, for social interaction, because people are one. Mm. Right? Mm. Right? Mm. There's an instrument, an international instrument called International Health Regulation. That regulation already makes provision for kind of a collaboration around countries that are sharing borders with regard to disease surveillance, with regard to disease detection and sharing of knowledge. That is why about a week ago or so, there was a meeting of the South African Development Community, uh, which is called SADC, 
health ministers meetings in the DRC. Mm-hmm. The purpose of those engagements are to purely deal with what you are asking. Because of the movement of people, people coming here, coming to sell their products, mm-hmm. either as consignment, as cargo, and they may be carrying with them some kind of an illness. The product they may carry may actually induce a particular health problem. Mm-hmm. So the international health regulations are used, therefore, to regulate the movement between countries such that without impeding trade, there is no movement that leads to adverse health events as a result of that movement. Mm-hmm. We've got a team of highly alert people called the post health officers in all our ports of entry. They do that work every day. They work together with police, and people may not know them. I'm sure you may not see them if you go through the border, because you simply know people are checking you. But there are people that are checking you. Vaccination certificate, those are port health officers. If you come from a country with yellow fever, those are the people that check your certificate. Mm. So that they've been checking the scanner at the airport, those are called port health officers. Mm. They are the officials of the Department of Health, depart, deployed there specifically to make health, what we call health detection. But it's also an, an arrangement with regard to cross-border movement because we have got in our country, as it's all other countries, the Office of the World Health Organization, and other countries have that. So there's encouragement, I mean, encouragement of cross-border collaborations between ourselves, Mozambique and Zimbabwe, for an example. When we deal with malaria, we've got an established arrangement between Swaziland, Zimbabwe, Swaziland South Africa, and Mozambique, called Musaswa. Mm. We've got the arrangement with Mozambique, Zimbabwe, and South Africa called the, the Mbutuana Pumusiza. We've got all those kind of arrangements. So we are quite alert to that possibility of importation of illnesses. Hence our agreement, collaboration, and working together, cooperation, collaboration, cooperation with these other neighboring states so that nothing is left to chance. And, and one would imagine, just based on what you have said, that nothing being left to chance, quite the level of alertness and stringent measures that were deployed to ensure that nothing was left to chance in relation to COVID. This is now a response that is only at best three years old. How much of that level of alertness, the deployment of the necessary infrastructure, particularly at ports of entry, has simply been um, combined with the existing um, infrastructure for the purposes of fighting polio or taken over or transferred or one way in or one way or the other, being used as an advantage to ensure the polio-free society that South Africa yearns to be, as every other nation would. We, we look, we, I think we, you, you, you can only do so much. I think we're, from where I'm sitting, I'll say to you, we've done the best, the very best, really, mm-hmm. to deploy infrastructure as in our mechanisms for surveillance, which is a soft scale that uh, can be seen because the flag is hoisted there at the corner. We're doing that very well. And we've placed these people on the ground. They're able to make detection. But because we don't want to claim credit for everything we do, we're working together with our partners. Our, our National Institute of Communicable Diseases is one of the partners that are working with us. Our World Health Organization is not only just an office that is established in the country. In fact, it has offices, it has got officials in all the provinces who are meant to contribute to strengthening of surveillance and early detection of illnesses to create an alert, to send an alert if there's any sense of resurgence or any surge in any number of cases. 
So that kind of a work is a work that we're doing together because we work together with uh, all other stakeholders. But we do also have, for example, if we talk about malaria as an example, mm-hmm. we've got teams that are established and resident in those villages, let alone not, not even towns, in those villages. Very good. Because we only have malaria in three provinces that where malaria is endemic in the country. That's Limpopo. And Limpopo is not the whole of Limpopo. It's Mopani district, which is around the Zanin, Palabora, it's the Bembe district around Toyando, with Trichat or Makado. It's about Nelspreit, which is more about in Tanzania. In Tanzania, around Nelspreit, which is about the area. Except Bumalanga, yes. We then have Kaiser, not in Kaiser, and more about the Mkanya, Putem, Sawelinga, Tanjarangi, and King Tetrayo. So we, 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 we have those teams on the ground. They do active surveillance, but there are also teams that have been spraying in the houses. So when everybody's seated, people must just be assured that health officials on the ground every minute, every day, on the ground. But of course, I mean, because we're managing a health system that affects people, you are not going to be able to change people that they mustn't move. But we're battling all that, and with greater success, I must say. In mm. a number of occasions, with the greater and the success we attain, it's also because communities are very cooperative. When we send messages out, they do comply. There may be one or two people that may not comply, but majority of the South Africans are really compliant. If you go to areas of malaria, that are malaria endemic, you find that communities are really aware of what malaria is and what they've got to do. Equally, when we've got any other health problems, we yeah, work good. together with the health promoters on the ground to make sure that we reach out to every South African. Let's leave it there. Rampelane Moriwana, thank you so much. You've done the National Department of great deal of credit by engaging as you have. This acting Deputy, Di- Deputy Director General story, when are we dropping the acting? The, it's, uh, no, it's uh, a discussion for another day. <laughs> I was hoping you would indulge me, but I tried. Thank you so much, Mr. Moriwana. All the very best. 21-34. Well done. Good interview. Okay. Yeah, thanks.